Hi, Craig here from the Bachelor Masters podcast. Do you watch the Bachelor shows ironically, like we do? Do you think critically about the socio-political ramifications of what occurs in the shows, like we do? If so, we're the podcast for you. We, the Bachelor Masters, combine deep dives into the show's problems with jokes and even some sound effects Uh to deliver what we think is a well-rounded podcast you'll enjoy after every episode. So give us a listen, as ironically as you want, on your favorite podcast app. That's The Bachelor Masters, a bridge burner podcast. Welcome to Pumpkin Spice Podcast. It is a treat for the ears that is not just a latte. Still working on this new opening line, Graham. That works for me. Hell yeah. You're doing a lot better job than I. I listened to our, our episode, um, and I seemed a little bit like I was... It felt like I, I was tired. It seemed like I was tired or something, so I'm trying to come up with high energy today. Well, here's the thing. We are our own worst critics. We being me, Rob Schulte, and you, Graham Young. Uh, yes. I Trust me, having to listen to myself talk in the edit is its own journey. Graham, so yeah. don't worry. Well, thank you very much. And you you never sound the way you want to sound. You never look the way you want to look. But you just do it anyway. And we're doing it the uh, the Canadian way today. Um, I like that. I, I guess that's a segue. I, yeah. I don't know. We'll call it that. Um, but yeah, I've been kind of dying to know your thoughts on Wicked World. Uh, so it was released in 91 and then sort of shelved recut and released in i want to say 2018 it might have here's the thing i think yeah i think in 2018 like a dvd came out but in the credits also there was something about 2009 getting transferred to digital and thanking some guy named andy i don't know there was a lot of uh, end text in addition to the credits at this movie. Yeah, uh, Bleeding Skull was involved with the with the physical release. They're yes. out of Austin, Texas, so I'll give them a quick uh, hey yo, hey yo, um, hey yo. That's me giving them uh, one too. Um, I do want to say that before we get this started, uh, I his solo album, yes, that is featured in the movie came out in 2008. So I think the, I, I don't know this for a fact, but when the film was first released, it didn't have that kick and soundtrack. Ooh. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. It feels it would be incomplete without this. Soundtrack. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <sighs> so Rob, how do you even describe what you watched? Hmm. Fever dream feels cliche, right? Yeah. But it does. But that's almost like poking fun at someone for having like not a lot of a not a huge budget to make something, right? Um Yeah. So Barry's like thoughts about the world aside, the movie feels like a collage. Like I've made scenes, maybe this scene is cut from a magazine, maybe this scene is cut from a newspaper, maybe you know, like there's different textures to this movie and it's edited together in an attempt 
to make one whole storyline about a murderer and a crooked cop. Yeah. Kind that's, of. That's the simplest way to put it. And I think that he was trying to go for some nonlinear storytelling. Yeah. Um, and you can like you can see what he's trying to do about halfway through the movie. And Yes. Well, let me just you mind if I read the IMDB summary? Please. Just so everyone yeah. is on the same page as us. Uh, Wicked World is like nothing you have ever experienced. Grant Eklund is a dirty cop with a checkered past that endlessly haunts him. His woman is murdered by a serial killer named Harold, who slaughters countless numbers of humans in the city of Toronto, Canada before finally being locked up and sent to a mental institution. Now, many years later, Harold is set to be released back into society, and Eklund hopes for a final showdown with his arch enemy. Nightmares clash into a brand new reality as Eklund faces a host of problems and obstacles that he himself must overcome if he ever hopes to face the murderous, serial-killing madman and set his own inner demons free. Yeah. Huh. I don't know if I... Like, this summary was very helpful after the fact. I'll put it that way. Yes. If I'm remembering correctly, the movie starts off... Rob, we might need to look this up. Who... when Remember the uh, opening text that, like, so-and-so is innocent and they need to be released from prison right now? Yes. Okay, so he's very politically motivated. Um, yes. And he's working through some things. You know, I, I think with Barry J. Gillis, you know, he he's an artist that exercises his demons uh, through his creations. And Wicked World is no exception. Would you like me to read that excerpt at the very beginning? Yeah, please do. The federal government of Brazil should do the right thing and imprison everybody involved in the Arturo Gotti murder cover-up. Anybody with half a brain can easily conclude from all of the evidence that Italian-Canadian world boxing champion Arturo Gotti was drugged, then murdered in Brazil while he was passed out. Barry J. Gillis. Wow. Insane. Yes. And I feel kind of unprepared because I, I should have looked that up. And well, we have... sure, me too, but I didn't yeah. either. But the point is, is that even if you don't know about this, this is how this movie starts. Yeah, and there's there's no uh, connective tissue to the film. So it'd be like if Martin Scorsese was like, you know, in 1990, like free John Gotti. Yeah. Before yeah. Goodfellas. Yeah, or even you know? like something even, like that at least is tangentially related to the world of the film that Scorsese's making. That's true, I guess, yeah. It would be like if Scorsese was making a mobster movie and it's just like, in 9-11, George Bush. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. What a crappy guy. Yeah, what yeah, a jerk. I mean, from, from the get-go, that text comes right before a whole thing about putting brain chips in your head that would prevent you from committing suicide. Actually, sorry. Yeah, That's at the a- end. The brain okay. chips is at the very end. The one that comes, just because I have it pulled up here, the one that comes okay, right gotcha. after that is humans will use violence to settle disputes among themselves. History confirms our conviction that we will live in a violent world. 
by Dr. James John Guy, People, Politics, and Government. And then at the end, it's like, we need brain chips to control our violent natures, and they're working on it. They're working on it. I don't know who they are, but... It's almost... I felt like they were like the Americans. Ooh, because this is a Canadian film. Yeah, and so they, as in we, are working on it. (laughs) Um, And that's a good thing. Yeah, the... It's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That that's the thing that blew me away the most when you hear wild conspiracy theories about computer chips and barcodes and things like this. It's usually from like your drunk uncle on Thanksgiving about how they're trying to control us. And this guy who seems fairly conservative via the text in this movie, you would think that he would be that uncle, but he wants the chip. To control our violent behaviors. Yeah, wow. it's like reading Brave New World and thinking that the pill is yeah. is good. Yeah, it's good that you take. You it's know? like watching the Matrix and wanting the cornflakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, so another hint that he's sort of leaning towards the right. And again, all of the the dialogue, most of it's ADR, and it's just thrown in, yeah. you know, haphazardly. And I, I see this. You know, I I want to say I love this movie. I'm I'm not um, talking smack, um, but this is why the movie's awesome. And and Barry J. Gillis's convictions uh, seem to be genuine. So you know, he is a true artist. But um, there's a scene where. Um, it is revealed that the main killer's three daughters have killed themselves and that he is very upset. And also what makes him upset is when Canada gives money to other countries uh, to help them when there are poor and starving people in Toronto mm-hmm. that aren't getting anything. And she just sort of throws that information in. Yep. With the death of his three daughters, yep. and they're looked at as equal. Yeah. Someone's horrible family tragedy is on par with like what our government is doing. Like a personal, yeah. personal trauma is equal to a national trauma in this person's mind. Like, even if you consider that a trauma, right? Like, And that says something like regardless of in the storyline, if it's them killing themselves, it's like this thing that ruined this character's family is equated to what I think is ruining our country or our city or whatever. Right. And that is all connected. Wow. We're kind of getting lost in each other's thoughts because as soon as one of us starts to say something, your mouth just kind of like both of our mouths are just like, ah, uh, <laughs> like tr- our brain is like sizzling, trying to figure out how how do I explain this scene? <laughs> yeah, because we each have that inhibitor chip in our head. Yes. Um, but I wanted to ask you, 
So Barry J. Gillis wrote, directed, and stars in the movie, and he plays the bad cop. And it seems that the bad cop does have some of Barry J.'s politics, you know. So is Barry J. Eklund, is that straight up Barry J. Gillis? Or is he kind of doing a riff on his true identity? Because it seems that Barry J. Gillis and Eklund are almost like one and the same. Yeah, I feel like he's like heightened his most angry, right? Like I feel... Yeah. There was a guy, you know, we both went and lived in the same town when we went to college and such. And yeah, we all kind of know the film student who takes themselves a little too serious, right? Now, I'm not saying, like, I agree. I agree that this film is worth watching for multiple reasons and is a, it's good for multiple reasons too. I may not uh, yeah. side with the guy, but I like, I, I'm glad you had me watch it. Let's put it that way. Um, I knew a person in film school who wrote and directed his own film starring three men at three different stages in their relationship. And he would always talk about how it was just him at different points in his different relationships he's been in. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's when you say, is this Barry J. Gillis on screen? It's like, yeah, I think it's Barry J. Gillis when he's like, I'm really pissed at the world about something. And that's what, that's the character. That is the entire character in this movie. Uh, You know, that's his superhero self. It's yes. a, you know, it's the, it's the greatest version of yourself, you yes. know, that you're wanting to present to all of Canada and for Canada to say, oh, my gosh, this guy is on the level. This place is a wicked world. Bring on those brain chips. Yes. Yeah. I have a question for you, Graham, about this. Okay. okay. How did you hear about Wicked World? is my first question. And my second question is, were you able to follow the story the first time you watched it? Okay, gotcha. So uh, answer the first question, um, Bleeding Skull made me aware of it. Uh, they're great, again, out of Austin. Do a lot of uh, movie reviews on genre films and kind of and that kind of stuff. And um, so that I became aware of it through friends that had seen it. Now, as far as understanding the movie the first time I watched it, I'll say I think I understood most of it, but it's a movie that it almost requires you to watch it multiple times because you catch a lot of stuff because there's a lot of stuff kind of lost in the production value uh, of, yeah. of the movie. But I had I had watched this and I thought it was just insane. <laughs> And I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. You know, like kind of thinking of like one of the craziest movies that I had recently seen. It's a horror film, but it's also a lot more. Yeah. I mean, we follow this killer. And like you said, there's a lot of production issues that require uh, maybe a rewind or a second watch or something like that. But all of the that aside, like... Maybe we've already said this a million times over in different ways, but I just want to express it and state it matter of fact. It is a glimpse into this filmmaker's head on how he sees the world. 
through the lens of a horror movie. So what? We've got this arc of this hack and slash Jason type killer that we is just a serial killer guy. But through that, we meet these characters who through their walks of life, we kind of see how they view the world in one way or another in these like almost like vignettes. And then halfway through, we meet this cop who we find out has had a checkered past and yada, yada. And like everything leading up to meeting the cop is essentially just table setting to proclamate why the world is bad. Yeah, he's world building. He's world building a a horrible, terrible Toronto where no citizens have hope. Uh, They're in a a crime infested neighborhood in Toronto where you can hear the gunshots going in the background. And it's just it's it's um, again, there's a lot of ideas there. And and as far as as Barry pulling those ideas off is in in a film, uh, technically it's there, but not technically sound. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I maybe it's just like the climate of the world we live in today. Um, I'm, Hey, I'm starting to sound like Barry J. Gillis, but, uh, yeah. When the teenagers or the early 20 somethings go to the lake to hang out, we constantly get the reprise of like this politically correct world. Uh, and like another reason why the politically correct world. But the weird thing is, is that there's never an argument to why being politically correct, whatever that is bad, you know, leads to this. Yeah. What I found interesting about them repeating this over and over that political correctness is bad, which was a very like hype phrase in the early nineties. It's evolved into whatever you want it to be now. Um, but I, I think that it's like people who want things politically correct, and this isn't the exact quote, but it says people who want things to be politically correct don't understand that that only works in a perfect world. And we live in a wicked world in a wicked world. And which we were reminded of every second of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that like, you know, he's got a point, but the thing that's left out of that phrase is that like, you could strive to live in a better world and not just accept that the only thing that'll fix a wicked world is a computer chip in your brain. Yeah, that it's a hopeless situation. Yeah. And, and Barry knows it. Yeah. And, um, you know, the reason I asked what you thought about the main character, Grant Eklund and Barry J. Gillis, and is there a separation? Um my favorite scene in the movie that kind of puts this to the test is the police station scene Yeah, where they're looking. So from what I understand, there are two bad cops that are caught on video murdering a prostitute and murdering drug dealers. Yes. And so the police chief is going to fire them. And Barry J. Gillis taking a page right. I think this was inspired by Stanley Kubrick. I have to assume. And and I, I'm sorry if this spoils. We'll just put. Well, I'll just say spoiler right now. Sure. And just skip this. But the uh, not Barry J. Gillis, but the other detective takes a gun, shoots the police chief, and then shoots himself. 
And the whole time I was thinking he had just watched Full Metal Jacket and he's like, how can I up the ante? They did this in a army barracks. Okay, what about in a police station? Yeah. And what's the what's the craziest thing that could happen in this scene? And of course, Barry J is looking on in terror as all this is going on, kind of. He, sure. He's some he's somewhat having a, a reaction to it. So is it the character that thinks that murdering prostitutes is cool, or is it Barry J? I don't know if he thinks like I think the character is trying to be tough on crime and do whatever it takes to clean up these streets, right? I think yeah. Barry J is like, how do I show this in the most raw filmmaker way possible and up the ante and really drive my message home in a very black and white sort of way, but like the man has a vision and he will stop yeah. at nothing to make sure that every moment of this film represents his thought process with zero nuance. Yeah. And it's great. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really think that he's working through some stuff here. Yeah, and, that's and, really it. And as an audience, you become the psychiatrist. Whoa. And he's telling you this just weird fever dream of life or his interpretation of life. And you're just like, okay, Barry, let me give you a hug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still working to this day, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, he's on Letterboxd. Um, I was really uh, jazzed when I found out he had liked my review of his movie Things. Oh, um, which we get a cameo of in the first scene, right? Or one of the scenes yes. in the movie. And it's hard not to mention Things. I'll just be really quick about it. Like, Things was a movie that he starred, and he starred in and co-wrote. Um, I think in 89 or not, 88, and it is a crazy, insane exploitation horror film that's fantastic to watch. Um, I think I like Wicked World more because there's more on Barry J. Gillis's mind. But um, if you have seen things and haven't seen Wicked World, watch Wicked World. If, you, if you've watched Wicked World but you haven't seen things, check it out. Now, just looking on IMDb, it goes Things 89, Wicked World 91, The Killing Games he produced in 2012, and then it's a lot of production work up through the years after that. Now, I that just makes me wonder, were his ideas too avant-garde to get funding for more written and directorial movies? Uh, maybe, I don't know. He has some pretty out there ideas. So he had The Killing Games in 2012. Yeah. Then he has House of Many Sorrows. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just under the producer's section. He wrote and directed The Killing Games. Got it. Yes. Okay. Yes. But there's a mystery because there's a movie called Tales from the Dead Zone. It does, I think it's unreleased. It hasn't been released yet. So it's like a new Barry J. Gillis movie coming out. And it stars Bret Hart and Corey Feldman. Wait, like Bret the Hitman Hart? 
Yeah. And Corey Feldman? Wow. Corey Feldman, famous musician. Yes. Uh, Musician. He did a little bit of acting, but mostly known for his music. And he, yeah, he wrote and directed this movie, Tales from the Dead Zone. This poster looks great. Um, But yeah, okay. So then my. So he's out there. He's working. Yeah, he's working. I was thinking he was just producing, but yeah, he's writing, he's directing these things. I would almost want to go on a journey myself just to see how his views on the world have evolved through his film. Because, I mean, Graham, I don't got to tell you, but like a lot of times when a movie is made, especially a Hollywood movie, it's telling more about the time it's made than the story it's actually telling. And so... It would just be interesting to see his evolution. Uh, a Wicked World 2 that takes place in a post-COVID world oh. it would be incredible. And just to kind of like um, see and hear maybe potentially his disastrous politics or thoughts <laughs> on uh, on that. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that could be interesting. Um, but... You know, I, I will say that Barry J, I, I think he's, you know, I've only seen two of his movies. I, I think he's a fine uh, filmmaker with a lot on his mind. There's a lot of thoughts in his, in that head of his. Yes. So much so, it feels like he's desperately trying to get them down on film or paper or whatever, like, and without any sort of filter at all. And that's... Let's face it, is this a perfect film? Absolutely not. But No, no, not even close. The thought-provoking films, and like, I am so glad, so glad you had me watch this, Graham. It's hard to watch for multiple reasons, but like, are you telling... I, I, it's few and far between that a movie can spark this much of a conversation about the world and about what someone's viewpoint can actually do to its viewers, you know, or, or evoke from the people. And that's, that's crazy. I mean, we're recording this around the holidays and there's, you know, you can't flip on a remote without seeing another Hallmark film and that's fine. You can, we can have fun talking about those all you want, but like you are not talking about microchips in people's brains on that. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is a film that's really searching. I think he's really searching here. Yeah. Um, in fact, Barry J um to me is very similar to another auteur that we both like, uh Neil Breen. Ah, yes. Neil Breen. Con- their conspiracy theorist turned filmmaker. And so these are guys that have an agenda. <laughs> it's true. And it's like uh uh, what? Who? Who is it that I sent you? Frank D'Angelo, who has an agenda oh, yeah, yeah, on yeah. his films too. Like that guy just takes money wherever he can get it from, whoever he can get it from, and wants to. Well, tell. and then it's just a big vanity piece, exactly with it, an agenda. With an agenda, and his is you know midlife crisis. I always wanted to be in an action movie. <laughs> yeah, Which, exactly. let me tell you something, dude. If I had the money, oh yeah. I'd like, 20 years, like 20, 30 years from now, like I'm an old man, I'll I'll do that. Well, you know, like a- we all hope to be Tom Cruise, but Tom Cruise has already done it. You know, <laughs> I was, this has nothing to do with Wicked World, but he did this thing where uh, recently he was, he tells 
uh, all of his fans. He's he's very thankful for them and grateful that they went to uh, Top Gun Maverick. And of course, he's doing this outside a helicopter. Uh, and yeah. he's like, you know, entertaining you is is the adventure of a lifetime. And he jumps off the the helicopter and he's spinning around and all this stuff. And the, all I could think of to myself was, you know, there's probably something to this Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> you know like this especially if you're just, rich yeah if you're rich and you can but uh you know he's a maniac but i i remember just thinking like wow there might be something to this scientology <laughs> you know maybe there's something that i don't get like if i joined they'd just have me mopping the floors all day but this guy he knows something i don't yeah oh man graham any other final thoughts on Wicked World before we play our patented game? I just want to reiterate that uh, Things is also a film that you should check out. Uh, both are great, and they sort of fall into uh, that genre, exploitation, which we need more of. Yes, absolutely. You know, another podcast that I host called Vanderpump Robs, which is a comedy show about reality TV, is on a Toronto-based podcast network. So I felt right at home watching Wicked World. Yeah, you've and it's it's cool like to uh to journey around the world through film. Isn't it though? Yes. <laughs> well, Rob, I do, again I have two tickets. Now we're in Toronto right now. Um let's go be, let's go back to the United States. Okay. Do I have to take a ticket, a bus there? Can I this activate this you, computer chip in my brain and just you can take the computer the computer chip will take you there you'll okay. just start running great <laughs> yeah it just tells your brain to start running until you get to your destination got it um but we can go to dayton ohio Ooh. or we can go to detroit well i avoided dayton last time and guess what i'm avoiding it again because I need to get to the Motor City, baby. Awesome. Well, then that means we'll be watching the 2022 film Barbarian. Ooh, um, I have not I'm seen this yet. I'm very excited. I'm really interested to get your thoughts on it. The director is um, was a member of The Whitest Kids You Know. Oh, I remember that group. I yeah, didn't know the so director he was from that. He wrote and directed the film. It's his first horror film. I thought it was really interesting. And uh, all of the performances are great, but Justin Long is incredible. And I, I've, I was just so blown away by him in this movie. Justin Long and from was, Tusk? Yeah, I was kind of a casual fan, you know? It was like, he's cool. But when I watched Barbarian, I was like, this guy's incredible. Ugh. And I was really taken with it, um, you know, uh, it's on HBO Max, if we can okay, say that. Great. So check it out. Yeah. Uh, I will, and I will watch it. I am, damn, I am very glad you're like making me watch this because <laughs> I had every intention of seeing it in the theater, and then I didn't. And then I was just like, well, yeah. I guess I can never see a movie again. Barbarian and Smile were two movies I meant to see in theaters and wasn't able to because they came out around the time I was moving. So, yeah. 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 Did well, you see I'm, Smile? I'm interested. I have not yet. Okay. Um, well, you know, and, maybe a bus ticket will take us there one day. But for now, it's going to yes. be Barbarian. 
Okay, so set that microchip to have you run uh, all the way to Detroit. Okay. And uh, the next time we talk, we'll be talking about Barbarian. Again, this is kind of an interesting horror film that's really new. We did a film from 1991. We did a film from 87. Let's let's check out what's going on in, in, in the horror world today. Love it. All right. Well, this has been another great episode of Pumpkin Spice Podcast. Graham, you know people can give us five stars on Apple Podcast. They can click the support link in the show notes, or they can just text this episode to their family group chat because you know they're going to love it. So until next yes. episode, it has been you and I, and we're going to talk again. I'll see you later. See you later. Take it easy.